Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. We are happy to be back where we can drink the water and we can eat all the food and we can flush toilet paper. Uh, so good in, in the States. Uh, but we had a great time. So I want to share a little bit about Mexico. But I wanted to encourage you guys on the, the table in the foyer, we have our second quarter of 2019 missions report. And this shows where uh, just, the, in the, just the second quarter alone, we gave $18,842 to missions, both uh, uh, national, local, and international. That's between the, the three New Day churches. And so that is amazing. That is an amazing uh, generosity uh, of you guys to, to pour out, not just into our own community, but into what God is doing around the world. Last month, we had uh, the Volmars here sharing about Shine on Malawi and the, the project that we are supporting there in Malawi, feeding school children. That was really, really exciting. Uh, this month, we're going to talk a little bit about Kaleo, the mission in Mexico that we are supporting. And then uh, next month, in, in August, John Yurdy uh, from uh, Raising Sons and Daughters, uh, he's a, a, a kid, kid, I guess he's 19 or 20 now, I don't know what he is. He's, uh, he was from New Day Nichols, his family still attends there, but he has been in, um, it's not Argent, it's right down here. Where is he from? Where is he? Peru. That's it. I knew it was down there somewhere. So he's been in Peru with, with his wife serving there. So he's going to share a little bit about what is going on down there. So uh, we are supporting what God is doing all over the world. I love the generosity of this church. So this is Kava Church in uh, Hohutla. It is about two hours south of Mexico City. Uh, Amber and I and the, the rest of the team had the opportunity to, to minister here a, a couple of times over the last week. Um, that is their worship team. The first time I went down there, I was like, in my mind, I had this idea of what Mexican worship looked like. It was like, uh, what are those, uh, mari- like a mariachi band, but in church. It's not. It was exactly like how we do worship here. So, uh, but they were fantastic. They were very, very loud, um, and it was it was a, a lot of fun. Kava means digging, digging. I like that. Anyway, uh, this is another church. Uh, this is the pastors uh, David and Rosie Solis. We uh, Amber and I had the opportunity to minister there on Sunday morning. And we shared a message about identity. And then literally every person in the church came up to get prayer. I don't know if that's just because Amber and I are that amazing or if that is just their, their normal practice. But it was a little over an hour. Amber and I and our translators are just praying for people. And then all of a sudden they let Sunday school out and all the Sunday school kids came in and we prayed for them. It was just awesome time just seeing God moving and transforming lives in this little sweet church. Just it, it meets in the, in the basement of their, of their home. And uh, it's really great. They're looking for ways to expand because the church is growing bigger than they can support. 
Uh, this was in some city that I can't remember, Amber ministering to, to people and Kathy giving her testimony. So we just traveled around supporting the, the missionaries that are uh, living and doing work day in and day out there in Hahutla, Mexico. And it's really encouraging to, to see their heartbeat. They uh, really, it's all about relationship. They're just looking to, to build relationships with people, to, to create communities of people that are seeking God together and walking out just restoration, walking out healing, walking out wholeness, walking out their restoration. And it's really, really, really cool. Uh, this is the first year we went to a children's home in Cuernavaca. This was like, what age group do you think this was, Amber? Three to eight or ten. And Amber was really in her element. Uh, uh, she took all these kids uh, that only spoke Spanish through a little craft. We, we made a, 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 a jellyfish, a jellyfish, a medusa, con tentaculos, with tentacles. And uh, they had a great time. That was my little friend, Jesus, on, on the right-hand side there. Him and I had a really really good time. And there, Amber was teaching a little lesson at one time with Jesus was sitting in the, the circle with him. And, and she was like, she was talking about Jesus created everything. And she was speaking in Spanish. So she was like, Jesus uh, created everything. And he's like, yay! He was so excited. And everybody was excited for Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you've done a good, good job. So it was so fun. Here's a, a, little, a gir- little girl. We brought some bubbles and it was just an opportunity to hang out and to see what God is doing. It's an amazing ministry. They have three different homes with different age groups that are caring for and revealing the love of Jesus to these orphan kids in Cornavaca, which is a very large, it's like a million people live in, in Cornavaca. So it was really, really good. That's the team on the left. And then that is Pastor Nacho. <laughs> Uh, Pastor Ignacio, but everybody calls him Pastor Nacho, which I thought was fun. And, uh, and he, we got to share at his uh, small group on, on one night. And uh, again, there's a bunch of people there that they'd invited from the community that were far from Jesus. They were struck, struggling with their sexuality, struggling with broken uh, marriages, struggling with uh, abusive relationships. And, and yet the love of Jesus poured out in that place. And People stepped closer to Jesus and felt that healing love. It was, it was just an awesome, awesome time. And there's uh, Amber and I in the beautiful city of Tasco. Uh, this is our final night in Mexico. And Tasco is this beautiful silver mining town that we got to hang out at and eat, eat dinner on this rooftop restaurant and looked out over the city. It was very, very beautiful. So thank you guys for praying for us and for those who uh, gave financially and followed us uh, along on our, on our trip. We really, encourage, or we really appreciate that so much. And just so you know, we'll be going back in like one year. And so think about it. If you want to enjoy all the glory that is Mexico, there's, there, it's so good. It's so fun. And uh, we're start, you know, so this was the third time I was in Hahutla, and, and so I'm starting to, to build relationships, deep relationships with Arturo and Emily, who oversee the Cleo mission there, with some of the other, Paula and McCall and, and Memo, the, the missionaries that they're raising up, as well as Josue and Ime, who pastor Kava Church, and trying to convince Josue, like, you got to come to Michigan. We want you to, to come to Michigan. I'll find you a translator. And my phone is amazing. 
Everybody's phone is amazing. Right? So I'm sitting in this coffee shop in Tasco uh, with Josue and Amber and Kathy, and, uh, and we're, he has kind of broken English, and I have terrible Spanish. And so we were trying to talk, but then I found out that I can just talk into my phone, and it will translate it for me. And so we were able to have this great conversation in the, over coffee uh, because of Google. So... So appreciative for Google and for Verizon. Lord, we thank you that Mexico and Canada are included in our, in our long distance. So it's so good. All right. Well, that is that. Um, we'd love to talk to you more about Mexico. Just grab me after church and we can chat more. But today, you know what? Before I get to my, my message, I have an, another thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, last week, Pastor Jimmy came down. Who was here last week when Pastor Jimmy was here? Many of you. Uh, he did an amazing job. He did, we're in a series right now called What is Truth? And he talked about truth in community. And as I listened to that message, I don't know what was going on. Holy Spirit was doing something in my heart because what Jimmy was communicating is my heart for our church. The idea that we can walk in community, not superficial community, but deep community where we do the the hard work of relating to one another. And so I am prayerfully considering... Uh, pray, prayerfully considering how do, we re- how do we respond to this amazing message. And so uh, we're gonna, probably going to change up community groups a little bit in, in September. There's going to be more information coming about that. But we are passionate about this. We are running after this. And if you missed that message or you're like, oh, was it really that good? Go back. It's on the website. You can listen to it on your podcast player of choice. Just search New Day Community Church Vandalia. You can listen to it there on the website, listen to that message, and, and, and just allow Holy Spirit to, to speak to you and to see how we can respond to this message by pressing in to community, doing the hard work of pressing into community. More information to come. But today, we are wrapping up our series about what it, called What is Truth? Uh, three weeks ago, we shared about that truth is Jesus. What lines up with Jesus is the truth. Last week, as I said, Jimmy shared about truth and community, walking out truth and love and grace in community. And today, I'm going to talk about truth's internal work. What does truth do inside of us and how do we invite it in and allow it to transform us, to bring us into freedom, to bring us into abundant life? And so what I want to do today is we're going to look at a passage of scripture, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, but I want to read it in its context, this this short-ish story of Jesus encountering some of the the Jewish believers and some Jewish unbelievers uh, here in the the Gospel of John in Jerusalem in 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 the temple courts. So we're going to read the whole story, but then we're just going to go back to to look at verses 31 and 32, which start off this story. What is truth? To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? We already know that that's a lie, right? They 
They are Abraham's descendants, and they celebrate their, their deliverance out of slavery every year at Passover. But anyway, we're Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you that I have seen that I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you were looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. We, the only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. amazing. Jesus, the way, the, the truth, and the life is standing in the midst of these Jewish believers and Jewish unbelievers here in the, the temple courts, and he is declaring the truth to them. Right? And yet they are fighting it. They're leaning back into their tradition, leaning back into what is comfortable for them. But Jesus is calling them to something new. He's calling them to freedom. He's calling them into life. And as we see throughout that passage, it is the truth of Jesus that brings life. And so Jesus, teaching the, the Jews who believe, said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And so what is it? What is my teaching? We're just going to break these couple of verses down shortly here. What is it that he is teaching? Well, if we look through the, the Gospel of John and through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the, the synoptic Gospels, we, we see that Jesus teaches over and over again. He says, follow me. Right, follow me. He calls his, the disciples before their disciples. Matthew, the tax collector, James and John, the fishermen, all these different guys to come and follow me. Right? That is Jesus' teaching. We see Jesus calling people to get their hearts right before God. 
Just a few uh, chapters before this, uh, John tells the story of Jesus in the, 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 the temple. And he comes in and there's all these people selling food and selling uh, uh, offerings and stuff in the temple. And their hearts are to make money, right? They see a, a financial opportunity for themselves. And Jesus comes in and flips the table and he says, you're not going to make my father's house into a marketplace. Right? He's calling people back to get their hearts right with Jesus, with the Father. But I think most significant or very significant, and we see it throughout the the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, when Jesus first comes onto the scene, he says this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? And that is the teaching of Jesus, to repent, right? to, to turn our hearts back to God. And maybe you've heard some, some teachings on repentance. Right? We know that it can be defined as to think differently, right? to, to change one's mind. Uh, but I looked up and I have a couple of different Greek uh, dictionaries. And this one was from uh, a couple of guys named Lo and Nita. And this is their definition for the Greek word metaneo, which is what we translate to repent or repentance. And they translate, or their definition is to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. And they have a footnote. And it says, though it would be possible to classify these two Greek words, the, the verb for repent and the noun for repent, is in this idea of thinking, is just this cerebral or mental idea, the main meaning of these terms is clearly behavioral rather than intellectual. Right? It is a transformation of how we live our lives. It is a, is a transformation of our behavior. It's not just this mental ascent to Jesus. He didn't come to Matthew and say, think positively about me and continue ta- collecting taxes. Right? No, he said, follow me, repent, change your way of life, change your way of thinking, and let your, uh, your practices change in the same way. Right? Behavioral. Let your behavior change. And then in Mounce's Greek dictionary, he says this, repent means to undergo a change in frame of mind and feeling, to repent. Or in Matthew 3, 2, where Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it means to make a change of principle and practice. My mom is laughing at me. Pay no attention to her. Uh, <laughs> it's a change of principle and practice, Right? Repentance means that we're going this way in life. We encounter Jesus, we follow him, and we go a different direction. Right? To think differently is to live differently. And so we need to, to hold to Jesus' teachings. Right? To, to hold fast to these teachings. Right? And it, this is not just something that happens here and there, right? It's not just a Sunday morning thing, right? We hold to the teachings of Jesus. We remain in them. We continue in the teachings of Jesus. We abide in these teachings all of the time, right? We never let go of them. We hold fast. We never leave the realm of the kingdom, right? Even when you go to work, right, you are still in the kingdom, this year, I decided early in the season to be a Tigers fan. I know, I know. And so there's a, 
this, is, this connects, don't worry. <laughs> uh, and so it was early in the season. My family, my, on Amber's side, are, are big baseball fans. They love baseball. Uh, and I was like, and they, they really enjoyed it, and they liked following and watching the games and stuff. And I was like, oh, that seems fun. And baseball seems kind of uh, boring enough that you could kind of sit there on Sunday afternoon and just kind of take a nap, and, you know, it seems good. And so I liked it. But... But my, uh, my entire extended family are Cubs fans. They're all Cubs fans. Come on. And I have too much contrarianness in me. Like, and so I was like, well, I can't be a Cubs fan because <laughs> there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. And, and so I was like, well, my dad was a big Tigers fan, right? And I live in Michigan. That's who we should root for, right? And not only that, when, we, when I decided to be a Tigers fan, they were doing real well. And so this also worked. And I was like, Oh, man, I can be a Tigers fan, and in, the, in, the, in my Cubs family, I can go, whoa, man, it's too bad. Look at how great the Tigers are doing, and I could kind of rub it in their face a little bit. I thought, this is going to be great. Well, the season continues, and the Tigers are literally the worst team in baseball. They are absolutely uh, atrocious, right? And the Cubs are doing quite well, from, from what I hear. I'm not sure, right? And so, but I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a low-level fan. I'm not watching all the games, but I check the scores, you know. And when Amber and I went to the ball game in June or whatever that was, I, I had the hat. We both had a hat. We both had T-shirts. We were all in. We were, we were all in Tigers fans. They lost like 14 to 2 or something, but we were really supporting our, our team and, and rooting for them. Um, but then when we left, we took off our Tigers hat, we took off our Tigers shirt, and it just didn't... It just doesn't matter, right? It doesn't, it re- doesn't affect any part of my life. But some people are Christians like that. You know, they, they're excited on Sunday mornings, right? Or in a small group or whatever. They, they got the right clothes on, right? They got the right attitude. They're super into to Jesus. They're rooting. They're saying the same things. They're praying the right prayers. But then they take off and it's like, it didn't really matter, right? Life is just the same, right? But that is not how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to be Jesus fans, right? We're supposed to be Jesus disciples, right? We're supposed to be disciples. And, and a disciple, the, the, the words and the teachings of, of Jesus are integrated, are, uh, I don't know, combined with who they are. It's part of them, right? It defines them. The, the, the teaching and, and the love of, of Jesus are incorporated into every part of their life, every moment of every day. And that's what it means to be a disciple. And we'll get to the good parts of that in, in a second. The being a disciple, it leads to good things. But how do we do that? What, is that? what does that look like? How do we hold to the teachings? Some people would say that I'm a disciple of Star Wars. You know, good or bad, you can, if, if you disagree, anyway, it's fine. We can talk later, right? We, you know, some would say I'm a Star Wars disciple. Star Wars has somehow integrated with a lot of my life. And I can talk about it a lot. And, and I force myself on Sunday mornings not to do that, except for right now. Um, and so am I a Star Wars disciple? Well, I suppose from a certain point of view, that is true. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's an Obi-Wan quote. Uh, so, so why? Why is, why is Star Wars so integrated into my life? Well, here's why. It's because I've watched the movies so much. Yesterday was my day off, 
and I got my work done in the morning. I lay down on the couch and threw on The Last Jedi. Over, underrated movie. I thought it was very good. And I just, it's just, I find it fun. And so I watched the movie again, maybe for the sixth time. The other six movies, I've probably watched a hundred times. I have no idea. But not only that, I... This is, I'm going to, spoiler alert, I'm a, kind of a nerd. Um, if you didn't know that, welcome. Uh, so I play a lot of Star Wars-themed ga- board games and card games. I'm deep in one right now, Star Wars Destiny. It's real good. But what happens when you play Star Wars ga- board games and, and card games and stuff is that you learn the, the names of the people, the planets, the, the themes, the, the, the main movements of the, the story, right? The good versus evil, all this stuff. You just get inundated with it and you learn more and more. And I also hang out with people who know way more about Star Wars than, than I do. It's true. They're out there. And, and so we talk about it. We, after we go see one of the new movies, I love sitting down with somebody and going, oh, what do you think this means? And who were Ray's parents? And what's going on here? And, and it's just fun to me. Like, it just is exciting to me. Right? And so because I have allowed myself to rest in and, and eat up Star Wars, right? it just becomes part of me. Just don't worry. It's fine. I'm, I'm healthy and good. And <laughs> but more than I am a, 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 a Star Wars disciple, right? more than that, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Right? And, I, and you, dis, you follow Jesus in a, in a similar way. You inundate yourself with Jesus stuff. Right? This is why daily devotions are so important. Right? Because we need a, a foundation. We need a, a moment in our day, maybe an extended moment of our day, where we can allow the truth of, of Jesus to pour into us, where we can let the Holy Spirit saturate us and transform us more and more into his image. Right? This is why community is so important, because we hang out with other people that love Jesus, and so we can talk about things, and we can share where we're at. We can ask about Maybe something that we don't understand, right? Not who's raised parents, but like, oh, how does this, how does this passage affect my life, right? What did Jesus mean by this parable? And as we talk about it, as we wrestle through it together, we grow more in the faith and we grow more together, right? We have to have a, a daily time, a weekly rhythm of encountering Jesus because no matter what, you are in the world, right? And you are being inundated with messages from the world and it would be foolish of us to say, oh, those don't affect me. Those don't change how I think. Those don't transform how I view the world, right? We need to be in Jesus so that we can be transformed, right? So that we can integrate Jesus, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' love into every aspect of our lives, right? Discipleship means there is no compartmentalization. There's no Jesus is over here and now it's me time, right? We take him right with us to work and his teachings affect how we carry out whatever it is that we are doing. And so as we hold to the teachings, we are truly Jesus' disciples. Did that part. And then, if we are truly Jesus' disciples, then you will know the truth. This is the result of following Jesus, of holding fast to Jesus' teachings. We will know the truth. 
It's this coordinating conjunction then, right? Uh, if you exercise, you will get healthier, right? If you stay out in the sun without sunscreen on, you will get a sunburn. If you hold fast to Jesus' teaching, you will know the truth, right? This is the good news. It transforms the way we view life. It helps us to see truth from lies. We begin as we uh, are Jesus' disciples, as he starts to transform our hearts and our minds, we begin to see the world through Jesus' lens, through this truth lens, right? Because Jesus is the truth. Has anybody ever seen the movie Predator? If you did, repent. It's a... So Predator is an old movie, it's like from the 80s or something, and uh, the Predator, he's this alien and he gets sent to Earth. Uh, to hunt down somebody, some bad person, or maybe a good person, I don't remember. Anyway, so, but he is like the ultimate hunter. In the dark, right, he has thermal vision, right, and so this gives him the edge, right, because he can see the guy he's hunting bright as day, and he can hone right in on it, right? He's not distracted by anything else. He can find his target, Right? And so when I think of our, the internal work of Jesus and our being transformed more and more into his image and integrating him into all of our lives, I think it gives us kind of this Jesus lens that we look at life through. Right? It's much, much easier as we have eaten this book, as we have spent time with Jesus to begin recognizing truth from lies. Right? What is it that is aligning with Jesus? If it aligns with Jesus, if it aligns with his word, we're going to hold fast to that and believe that and let it in. But if it doesn't align, right, we are going to reject it. All right? That is from the enemy. That is not what we need. Right? We're going to hold every thought captive and keep the good and reject the bad. All right? The truth will set us free. We begin to see as Jesus sees. And as we do this, as we begin to recognize truth from lies in our own hearts and in our culture, as we hold on to and and grasp on to the truth, that truth brings us into freedom. The truth brings us into freedom. When Adam and Eve sinned so many thousands of years ago, they lost their freedom. They became slaves to sin like we sang about this morning, right? They, and they bore this, this curse, right? Suddenly work and, 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 uh, became toilsome and hard, right? Labor came with much pain, right? They were rejected from the garden or uh, ejected from the garden and protected from going back in, right? They bore this shame and, and jealousy and fear and bitterness and rage, right? And all this junk, And that slavery passed from Adam and Eve onto all of humanity. And now we here in 2019 are all also slaves to sin. But God wants us to be brought back into his original design. He wants us to be brought back into freedom. And that's why he sent Jesus. Right? Jesus came to set us free from the law of sin and death, to set us free so that we could see truth from lies and so that we could step into right relationship again with the Father. 
My favorite Bible verse is John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come to give you life and life to the full, or life, abundant life, right? That is Jesus' mission statement, to come and to, to bring us into life, into fullness of life, into abundance of life. Right, too often we, we see the, the uh, Christianity or, the, or faith or Jesus keeping us back from what is enjoyable or fun. Like, oh, he doesn't really want us to have fun, right? We can't drink and we can't smoke and we can't gamble and we can't watch R-rated movies. What is left? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I remember when I worked at Fox Brothers, I, uh, which is a siding and windows and door company up in Kalamazoo, uh, before they opened the Kalamazoo branch, I was trained up in, in Grand Rapids. And so I would hang out with these guys, and they were kind of a rough bunch of guys. It's a lot different um, from Little Caesars, which is, well, they're rough in a different way. But these are like <laughs> rough guys. And, uh, and, they, like, and so at Fox Brothers, it's very interesting in Grand Rapids. After work, nobody left. They just opened the fridge, which was full of beer, and they would just hang out and gamble and drink beer. And then they had a basketball hoop in the, in the warehouse, and they would play basketball sometimes. And, and they couldn't believe that I didn't want to hang out with them and, and drink and smoke and, and gamble and, and play basketball. And I was like, I'm going home to my, to my wife. And they were like, like they did what are you talking about? Like, why, why would you do that? Sounds horrible, right? And I was like, well, I just don't get this. Why am I telling that story? I don't know. There was a connection there somewhere. Oh, well, you got a free story. <laughs> if it comes back to me, I'll let you know. Um, but, and so, I, and so it factored, right? I was a little bit different, right? And I was like, I don't think that stuff is good. That's not going to bring me into the life that I want to, right? But saying no to that, which is, seems a little bit fun, maybe in, in the moment, right, is not going to lead to a flourishing life. God wants us to be brought into a flourishing, abundant life. And as we align ourselves with the truth, as we allow uh, the truth of Jesus to do its internal work, we are transformed and we do find life. The, the truth is, and I've discovered this in, in my marriage, Amber and I have been married for like 21 years. 22 years. Um, and that was, I was very close. I was very close. Right? And, and the truth is that as we uh, mutually submit to one another, as we prefer the other before ourselves, that leads to a thriving and life-giving marriage. Right? But this um, often doesn't align with my feelings, and it doesn't align with what culture tells us about marriage. Right? I, and if I was left to my own feelings, I would say, I'd be like, I need Amber to serve me. I am important. And maybe if she serves me, then I will reciprocate, right? And I'm waiting for that. And we tried doing life like that for quite, quite a while. And that does not lead to a thriving marriage, right? But when we held to the, the truth of Jesus, right, that this Mutual submission, this preferring others above yourself is going to lead to life, 
right? Even though it doesn't feel like that, and that is hard to do, to die to yourself, to, to give yourself to somebody else, as we stepped into that, as we did the, the hard work of exposing ourselves by laying our lives down for one another, all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but over time, right, the marriage suddenly gets better, and we can trust each other, and I'm loving Amber, and Amber's loving me, and as we practice the way of Jesus in our marriage, it leads to thriving. It leads to abundant life. Another area where I need the, the internal work of truth to, to transform me is in my identity. Right? The, the truth is, and we can see it in, in the word of God, that I'm loved. I'm fully accepted. I am valuable. But often that does not align with my feelings. Right? It doesn't align with the, the trauma and, and the pain of, of my past. Right? When, when my dad left multiple times, I felt rejected. Right? And I didn't know, not only did I feel rejected, but I felt like, oh, there's something that I did wrong. If I could have been better, right, then he would have, he would have stayed. Right? And, but, and so then I just accepted and internalized this rejection, this need to prove myself, and I lived out of that identity. But living out of that place doesn't lead to anything good. No matter how hard I worked to prove that I was valuable and that I didn't have to be rejected, I still felt empty and alone and abandoned. But then I allowed myself to receive the truth of Jesus as I read his word, as I listened to, to other people who've, who've walked this path before me, as I, as I read books and listened to, to messages about identity, I, I realized, oh wait, I, what I'm believing, even though it feels super true, in my heart and in my mind, this just, how could it be any other way? Certainly I deserve to be rejected. Certainly I have to prove myself. The word of God, the word of Jesus says, no, you are accepted. You're loved. You're valuable. Not because of what you do, but because you are mine. Because you were made in the image of the Father. And I proved how much I loved you, Mark, when I was willing to die for you on the cross. And so as I align myself with that truth, guess what happens? We step into freedom. We step into life. And this, again, this is why Jesus came, to bring us life. But it doesn't happen automatically, right? I wish that in counseling sessions and stuff, if you just pray the prayer of repentance, you forgive your mom or you forgive your, your dad and whatever, you pray the prayer and all of a sudden you're fine. Everything's great. Oh, super, right? But it doesn't work like that, right? We, we have to walk out this healing. We have to walk out this, this health. Right? We have to walk out freedom spiritually and emotionally. And that isn't complicated, but it's very hard. Because it's painful. Right? It's painful to, to come you know, naked before God with all your junk and all your brokenness and it feels vulnerable and to allow Him to bring His healing. 
and to continue walking in that, trusting that his word is true, that as I continue to hold fast to your teachings, as I continue to align myself with the truth of Jesus, this will bring life and life to the full. I want to close with this quote from Chris Vallotton, who's a pastor in California. He said, One of the main attributes of noble people is their ability to manage their emotions, feelings, and passions. Why? Because it's not what we, it's not what we want that defines us. It's what we will. Feelings are great servants, but terrible masters. Feelings are great servants, but terrible masters. While they are extremely valuable, it's important to recognize how we feel isn't always how we are. And what we feel isn't who we are. Learning to feel in a healthy way all begins with accepting the fact that feeling is a part of how God created us. So we take every thought captive. We look at our feelings and our emotions, right? Our culture tells us that there's nothing more important and there's nothing more true than how you feel, right? But that is a lie. The Word of God, the teaching of Jesus, the way of Jesus is the truth. And if our feelings come into conflict with what God says, then we take that thought captive and we throw it into the pit of hell where it came from. And if it aligns with the teaching of Jesus, we hold tight to it. So the way I want to end is something a little bit different. Uh, I just want to take a moment to ask Holy Spirit just to reveal any lie. Jamie, would you play the guitar? Thanks, friend. Uh, so we're just going to take a moment to ask Holy Spirit to reveal any lie or any feeling, anything in our hearts or minds that does not align with the truth of God. And then I'm going to teach you in a moment how to respond to, to that lie. Okay? So it's going to be okay. We're just going to be quiet and listen to Holy Spirit for like a minute. Thank you, Father. wait a few more seconds. All right, maybe you felt like the Lord impressed something on you or maybe you, you didn't. That's okay. Sometimes it takes time. 
takes time to allow Holy Spirit to, to reveal things. But if you did hear something, I encourage you to hold on, hold on to that thought. And I'll just use myself for an example. This idea, this ungodly belief, right, that I am not loved. And so the first thing we do is we repent. If we believe something that doesn't align with the truth, we repent. So I would say, Father, I repent for believing the lie that I'm not loved. The second step is to forgive. We forgive those who contributed to us forming this ungodly belief. And, you know, for me, maybe it was, was my dad in some way. And so I would say, Father, I forgive, forgive dad for the way that, that he contributed to me feeling like I was unlovable. And step three is we renounce it. I renounce the lie that I'm not loved. And last, we invite the truth. Father, will you show me what your truth is? And then allow the Holy Spirit to speak that truth. And often when I write that down because it takes time to get that into our brains. So I encourage you, we're just going to take a, we're just going to walk through this quickly. So if you have something that the, the Holy Spirit revealed, just repent. Say, Father, I repent for believing whatever. You can say it quietly. You can say it out loud. Follow your heart. And then we forgive. Father, I forgive whoever that contributed to my forming this ungodly belief. And we renounce it. I renounce the lie. And Jesus, I ask that you would show me the truth. Replace this lie with the truth. And for me, the truth was that I'm loved, deeply loved all the time. And it's taken me a long time to internalize that. And sometimes the, the lie still creeps up in certain situations, but now I'm quick to recognize it and go, nope, you don't have any power over me. I live in the truth that I am a beloved son. And so take your truth and repeat it over and over until you begin to live out of that truth. I'm just going to close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your unfailing love. Lord, we thank you that you came to reveal the truth. Lord, we thank you that you did not let us alone and abandoned and rejected in our sin, but you came down. Born 2,000 years ago, in a cave, in a manger. The Son of God. And you lived a life just like we did. Yet you were without sin. And the reason you came was to bring us life and to bring us freedom. 
And you did that by dying on the cross. And Lord, we celebrate this this Sunday morning uh, again, your resurrection. That three days later, after being laid in a tomb, you came back to life just like you said you would. And because you came back to life, you have brought us into freedom. Because you are alive, we can find life. And so we do today, God. We enter into that life. We enter into you. We align ourselves with you. We repent of our sins. We turn from our old way of life and we turn to you. Lord, because we are hungry for life. Lord, I pray for each person here, Lord, as they read your word, as they spend time with you, that you would give them truth lenses. Lord, that they would be able to, to see lies in their lives. They would see things in their hearts and in their minds that don't align with your truth, God, and that you would help them to break those things off in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would cause them to step into freedom as they reject the lies and live in the truth. Jesus, we love you.